welcome back to Play Hype Dialogue, the podcast where we play shows, get hype, and dialogue. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Play Hype Dialogue. I'm one of your co-hosts, Carlos. This is Mela. And Omar. <laughs> uh, so how are you all doing? How are you holding up? We're still in the midst of this pandemic. There's a lot going on. How are you guys doing? I'm wondering why people think this pandemic is over, to be, <laughs> to be honest. People are acting like it's over. I'm like, hold on. We're not yeah. done. It's pretty rough. Um, so we're recording a couple weeks ahead of time. So by the time this comes out, this will be a little bit out of date. But this week, the the murderers of Breonna Taylor were not were not indicted on any significant charges. Trump announced that he was not committed to a peaceful transition. Uh, the pandemic continues on, and things are just really rough right now. Um, Trump nominated someone to. Um Replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, that was the that was the other thing. I knew I knew there was one more. Yeah, it's just terrible news all around. I read her bio. She sounds not great. Yeah, she's awful. It doesn't look good for the fate of a lot of important court cases. Um, a lot of court precedent, like Roe v. Wade, is sort of on the the chopping block for sure. If there's another abortion case that gets to the court. Um, If she's confirmed, um, there are lots of Republicans and Democrats who have agreed not to confirm on the tales of Mitch McConnell stopping Obama from appointing someone further out from the election than we are right now. So we'll wait and see. Um, A lot of folks are hoping that he does. All right, but I'm going to go on record and just say that Mitt Romney is a (laughs) dirtbag. You can quote that. (laughs) <laughs> you can use that as the as the soundbite for this week, Carlos, on on the social media. Um, and I, I also would say, like Roe v. Wade, definitely uh, people are talking about that a lot. Um, but I'm also, I think, even even on top of that, it's also about the consolidation of corporate power, um, which mm-hmm. is already kind of at an unbearable level in this country. And I just think uh, we're at a we're at a tough time. We're at a tough juncture right now. And I was being sassy about Mitt Romney, but I'm just trying to say I think the majority of Republicans are going to step in line and vote to approve. It's weird to think. I didn't realize that this all happened this week. Like, I was still kind of reeling from the Breonna Taylor's murderers, um, that whole scenario, so. I think it was like that news dropped the same day, I want to say. Really? Um, The Trump press conference where oh, he man. said we'll see what happens about a peaceful transition i think came out is that right the same day that sounds right all the days are running together we were just a right couple now. days past rbg passing away um yeah. being concerned about the supreme court and then um you know then it's it's as it has been for for most of this year and the last couple of years it's just you know one thing on top of the other yeah But one of the good things, for me at least, is having this show that we started during this pandemic to talk with you both about just how we're doing, to have some FaceTime, to have some connection, and to talk about, in this season, fantasy realms like what we're seeing in Cursed. Is that a good transition, or do we want to talk more about, like... That's great. Yes, it's like, you know, it feels silly sometimes to be talking uh you know to be doing the show or to be watching these these kind of fantasy fantasy shows but um at the same time we need outlets for joy and community with each other so for sure 
Sweet. So that said, let's jump into talking about this episode, which is not apolitical. There are a lot of um, reminiscent things happening in the show that are nothing ever is apolitical. (laughs) The personal is political. Let's go. Um, That was actually something I was glad we didn't say. A lot of shows are like, oh, this isn't a political podcast and proceeds to say something political, but everything is political. Today, we're discussing episode three of Curse. So this episode starts off with a flashback. <laughs> Carlos, we, we love that? the sound effects. <laughs> we, I, love to, I love the sound effects. I'm not we, mad at that at all. We don't have to pay for a, a sound engineer when we have Carlos's Throat? This is the reason. <laughs> this is the reason Carlos was hired. So you're right? saying my throat game is strong. Thank you. <laughs> no one took it there until you did. <laughs> Carlos is using play have dialogue as like a way to like snatch him. <laughs> He's like, by the way. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this episode starts with a flashback of a young Arthur who is uh, summoned to his father's side because his father, Sir Tor, um, got injured in a bar brawl. So the end of the last episode starts with this overhanging moment where he rides off with the sword of power to fulfill a dying wish. And we're like, oh, he's going to go take the sword to Merlin for Nimue because she is not as capable of a fighter She's got a lot of sort of growth as a warrior that he has given his training as a sort of bandito type. Turns out, no, he's going to find his honor. Anyone want to jump in or should I do some more like recapping things? I'm just impressed, first of all, that you you knew or looked up the name of the father character. Yes, you did. Carlos came with notes today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, this was, it's not my favorite episode so far. It's, there's, there's not like a ton of um, super happy or joyful moments in this one either. But I do think this was really uh, kind of a critical character episode. The ambiguity of that first scene, we're trying to figure out what's going on with um, Arthur's character. And this is definitely, it's kind of like the Arthur episode a little bit. It opens up his backstory in the way that episode two opened up Nimue's backstory. And I enjoyed that. Um, I thought the acting from the father was like, maybe not the best of of the series. I don't know what it is in this show when, because the same thing happens uh, when the mother dies, <laughs> the scenes where they're dying and then it's just like, I'm dying, I'm dying. And then they they just like have, they, they, they get to say so much. Like they're they're so fine for someone who's who's bleeding out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> start us off with something cheerful. That was my take on that first scene. Omar, what's your first take on the show? Um, I liked it. I, I always like uh, episodes where we get to learn a little bit more about the characters through their backstory. Um, but I, I was more interested in. Nimue at the Abbey, really. Like, and I thought I was going to be more interested in Arthur's backstory, but I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was cool, but I, I was really interested to see how they were going to, because it was exciting. You're like wondering, like, how are they going to work their way 
out of this with all these like red cloaks coming through like what's going to happen and then you know seeing like the new characters and so that was my favorite um sort of uh focus of the episode feels like we should not skip the fact that once when Nimway wakes up uh there's creepy iris staring at her and then uh Igraine comes in and tells iris like get out of here kid and then just like slaps the shit out of Nimway <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like we don't advocate violence here, but <laughs> did we love it a little bit? I think <laughs> I was like, oh, a little part it was of like me a was get like, your shit together. Yeah, a little part of me was like, wash your face and get your shit going. Like, um, I'm surprised that some leaves didn't start growing on her face, though. I guess it was kind of a low, she didn't expect it. Like she had no way of knowing that sister was going to slap her. And then it stops. I feel like if the sister would have like continued, it would have happened. Like when she's tormented episode one by the the sort of kids in the woods. Ah, I see. Like it just is like, wait, what just happened? Like wake up to reality. Do you realize where you are? Like, I mean, you could argue that her magic knows um an enemy from an ally or you could argue that's plot convenience but let's go with the first one (laughs) (laughs) i have to say this episode now i've hated red cloaks what's their official name the paladins the red paladins paladins since the beginning this episode it's like wow they are the worst there is not one among them who's halfway decent And it's almost becoming a bit too much because I'm like, these people are terrible. They are awful. What is going on with these, with this group of of, of folks? Like, I I honestly was expecting there's got to be one among them who's like, I don't know, a little chill. None of them have chill. But I have to say they make a good job of showing how um, Father Cardin threads the ideology through to everybody. Um, and he's like, this is what we need to do for, for the faith. Basically like these, these people are impure. And from the first episode, he's been like, um, Oh, they, they present themselves as almost like they're human. Um, but we need to keep in mind that they're not, these are just like costumes worn by demons. Um, and I do think that that's like, a somewhat accurate reflection of how people get tied up in ideology into hating other human beings, you know what I mean? Or, or other, whatever, <laughs> as the Fae, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's particularly salient given this particular mythos that we get to see sort of happen this way. I think the only sort of counterpoint to that is that you have the abbess who knows that Sister Egraine is bringing in these strays, as she calls them. She's like, the sisterhood, the nuns in the abbey, or the abbesses, um, don't think that's a word, um, as compared to the red paladins, are a bit more sort of open-minded, are a bit more chill on the surface. But then you do have the sort of very resolute fundamentalist in someone like Sister Iris, who the first time she meets Nimue is like, do you know how I can tell that demons? 
creepily watching Nimue sleep in a room she's not supposed to be in. And then I'm jumping a bit ahead in the episode, but at the end of the episode, she's like, where's Alice, the new girl? And the abbess ends up getting carted off to be killed, perhaps burned at the stake for letting this possible fake girl into the um, abbey. So at least you get some good nuns with the sisterhood with the abbey um that you really don't get to just underscore your point omar like you don't have any good guys in the red paladins no one who's like but jesus said love your neighbor as you love yourself they're like no no we just got to kill the demons kill the witches burn them all god's fury comes to earth and i'm like this is terrifying imagine you wake up you're robbed the man you were with stole your stuff you got robbed. Some man walked away with all your stuff. And where are you? In the center of hell with the Red Paladins, the Abbey, like all of these Christians who want you dead. And you, how are you going to escape? Like that's why like Nimue is part of the story more than Arthur's because she's literally thrown into the pits of hell yet again and has to be incognito so she can escape with her life. It's also a... a- important parallel i think to the fact that religion and religious fervor has caused so much um violence throughout history and and at times and in certain places it's also served as sanctuary for a lot of people like religious institutions often do play that role as well so there's always that tension playing out in the real world and i think it makes sense that there's a parallel for that in the show so we're just going to ignore Carlos's attempt at a British accent. That's cool. So then, <laughs> I laughed at it. <laughs> no. it was just like, I was like, is this only funny to me? <laughs> Carlos, was that no, British no. or Scottish? What were, what were we what going was that? for? What, was that? what were we going I for? I usually aim British because I, if I try another accent, it veers British anyway. So I just try to stay <laughs> in my Does it though? <laughs> no, Does it? <laughs> I didn't say it was good. Carlos, that was beautiful. It, it was, was amazing. I thought it was. I thought it was in the UK. No, but um, I think so. When we're talking about like the Red Paladins and the fear, it's interesting because like, like even discovering like okay, so Pepper and Honey are Fey remedies now, and, and like they're so terrified of uh, even using that to to heal the guy. Like I thought that was super interesting. First of all, I thought it was hilarious that Pe- Pepper and Honey are Fey. Like I'm like it's not like pixie dust. But, um what yeah um i just rewatched the episode last night and they do mention two other ingredients but the one sister egrain is caught up on pepper and honey like that's that fey (laughs) like what is so fey about pepper and honey first of all honey is actually a huge um ingredient for healing in a lot of islamic societies so I thought that was like an interesting, but maybe the pepper is what makes it like. Well, I think there's a lot of real world history. I mean, and it's in a lot of fantasy shows of, uh, you know, religious institutions saying like these, these pretty much like herbal or natural remedies are supposed to be like magical or the only people who use them in that way are practicing witchcraft. So I feel like that's, Pepper and honey was kind of a, uh, an interesting choice <laughs> because they're super <laughs> common ingredients. But I think that's what they were going for. Um, 
Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I don't, I'm not enough of, I don't know enough about this, but it's like, we're talking about a time when, uh, you know, actual medicine was supposed to be like, let's like bleed them with leeches, but people using herbs, that's witchcraft if they're ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So I think there's, there's, that's the undercurrent that they're going for. I mean, it's like like if a man used pepper and honey, he'd be a chef. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like there was a meme I saw circulating forever ago where it's like, eat this plant. And it's like, no, that's witchcraft. Eat this. And it's like, no, that's bad. Then it's like, take this pill. And it's like, no, that's bad. And it's like, eat this leaf. And it's like, it circles back to the same thing. It's like with uh, Barbara Ehrenreich talks about this in her book on like witchcraft and like midwifery. Like we take natural remedies. We take the work of women like in earlier parts of human history we malign that for the creation of like established medicine and then some of those same things that doctors do it's like when we watch luna nera which may or may not be released at the time of this recording um the spoiler alert check it out on netflix (laughs) the son um whose name escapes me right now is like oh this is from the witch's cabinet she's got these evil malicious things it's like this is mint it's like herbs that are used in medicine that he uses to treat patients when he was in Rome (laughs) so it's like the line is very very thin it's all about usage (laughs) versus like intent like God deems it to be so so this (laughs) my god that's best (laughs) (laughs) exactly Exactly. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, like, like if, if someone went into our cabinet and be like, what is this green paste? Do you use it for witchcraft? It's like, that's sofrito, man. Like, what's... It's flavorful. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the thing. Like, but I get why the abbess is so, like, crazy about it or is so... Um, intense about it in covering it up and why sister green is like against it because these red paladins they're like oh you're with child and you're not married they will flay your flesh like how are you team jesus and you're gonna kill somebody for having a baby like which just some of that sort of rhetoric rings very very true in a scary way for our current like world situation but that's what's happening here like this works. We know this works. That's part of the reason that the farmers are upset with the king and with the fae, because the fae have a better connection to the earth. That's not witchcraft. That's just the way people deal with and engage with their land. If you have a family history of being on a certain piece of land, you know that land well. So you engage with it well. That's why your crops are doing better than the, I guess, humans who are not fae. Um, they don't have that same relationship. So their crops are failing. Clearly the fair witch is cursing them rather than something the fair doing with the land works better than what we're doing here. Which I think was something that came up in episode two. It's like the people blame the fae for their misfortune for the drought. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really gotta stop doing the accent. <laughs> the co-hosts are not amusing. You can see their faces right now. They're like, this dude. Um, and then the king is the second. They hate him second after other people just trying to live their lives because of the way the religious fervor wasn't quashed by the king and is sort of allowed to fester in this way 
against the fade because you as king he doesn't have to worry about it because they're not attacking him they're the scapegoat i wonder we don't get we haven't gotten too many scenes in the first few episodes with kind of like regular human townsfolk i guess um so i wonder what I, I'm not sure we have a clear picture of like what popular sentiment about the Fae is supposed to be, separate from the fact that we've definitely gotten, even early in the show, the idea that like the red paladins come in and they basically they they are violent, they mess with everybody. Um, because remember we have that tooth pulling scene. Um and so I wonder what we don't get a clear picture of whether what like popular sentiment amongst human people um, is supposed to be toward the face separate from the fact that they know the red paladins are kind of messing with everybody and doing a lot of violence. Um, So I would be interested to see how that unfolds in the rest of the series um, and the rest of the um, season. I mean, even just that, that the security guard lets this happen before he just lets them in. Like, the Red Paladin has no power. Like, you're the security guard. You are the one in charge of this border crossing into the city. But he's not, but he's not. That's the point, right? He doesn't have that That's the thing with the regular people, too, I think, um, is that they would, it's like, as long as it's not me, like, they're willing to let this happen to the Fae, so they're like, I'm gonna keep my distance, I'm not Fae, I'm gonna snitch on the Fae to keep themselves alive, because it's an eater be eaten world that they've created here because there is no alternative to that presented by the king or presented by anyone else. I also want to to point out Carlos from earlier, what you were saying, um, just to make a quick mention of the fact that the um, what's the name of the, the like lead nun, the main woman. The abbess. I don't recall okay that's like her title the abbess um right that's what okay i guess that's her title my bad um so the abbess also says to Igrain, like if this guy died he's like basically on his deathbed i mean he's got tree growing in and out of him um <laughs> and yeah i mean come on <laughs> Can you imagine, and, like, the doctor's like, I'm sorry, he's got tree growing. <laughs> I mean, she pulls a whole, a whole big tree out his throat. Come on now. Um, but the abbess says to them, like, if he dies, the, we're going to be blamed and probably killed for that anyway. Um, so we're just, it just sets up these stakes where it's like, again, if women are uh, given the task of caregiving or care providing, and if it's not to the liking of the Red Paladins or if somebody passes away, it's like they're going to be blamed for it. Um, so two things that I'm, I'm kind of realizing now. One, Nimue, in a sense, had to heal her attacker. Yeah. You know, um, she, like, she recognized, like, she's the one who's, who's causing him to have the tree growth. But, um... Yeah, so she, in a sense, she's got to be like, oh, shit, I've got to help this man, like, get better or else all these women are going to die. And then there's another thing that I realized that, um, so the Red Paladins, from at least from what I remember, they're all men, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the nuns are all women, so it's like there's also this really interesting um, gender dynamic happening in this episode. Yeah, which just 
bring that like we saw it happen and we realize that but just your framing of it that way she has to heal the man who was going to kill her so that she's not killed and has all these other folks go down with all these other women go down with her yes who did nothing wrong like who are minding their business praying to jesus in their uh in the ivoire abbey all by themselves who don't seem to be out engaging in the same sort of violence against the people the way the red paladins are which is also a very gendered thing as well like oh women can't be warriors women can't do this fighting um because i think it's at the end of this episode where sister iris wants to be one of the red paladins and after the abbess is carted away she just gave you the path for the next bit of your red paladin adventure and he just brushes her off he's like girl you're not going to be a a red paladin you can't be one of us so she goes into like she wants to be playing with the big boys and isn't allowed because she's a woman like there's no other reason she's clearly a snitch she clearly wants the fey demon scum dead but and he doesn't he actually doesn't even respond to her he just like looks at down at her like she's not worthy of his response or consideration um and we see that we see this in other shows um and and in real life as well um so she's like i want to be a red paladin and he's just like please (laughs) he just keeps it moving um so you know for all her of her devotion to the ideals that they're pushing around she's not actually allowed to be included which is one of the many gendered layers of this which i think is intentional given that this is a graphic novel that's sort of a retelling of the arthur legend where the lady of the lake i'm not an expert this is not like my realm of knowledge but the the woman of the lake the lady of the lake i'm not sure what her official title is gives the information about um this and that's it like she's just there to like give exposition to the characters and then the male characters arthur the knights of the round table, they get to go do the fun stuff. This one intentionally is flipping that where before she becomes that, she gets to have an adventure. I don't know how that's going to end because full disclosure, didn't read the graphic novel. Um, But it seems very intentional that a lot of these gender dynamics are brought up, which in a lot of ways ring true to the sort of historical record of what we understand from this time period. We haven't talked at all about Arthur's adventure, which uh, <laughs> I think is a little telling. Um, but how, I, I will say this. How happy were we when Arthur got called out? Because I was thrilled. Because let me tell you, I've always found the legend of Arthur to be super fascinating. But this show is I am not enjoying Arthur's character too much. And I understand like why he wanted to do it. But, you know, he, he's stealing swords, lying to his uncle, and then, you know, he finally gets called out. And I'm saying, I'm, I'll be honest, I was kind of cheering for it. Yeah, I mean, it's not super interesting, his, his storyline, to be honest. In terms of this episode, it was the least interesting. Well, we do see, before. it's more of that, like, Arthur, we get... A more fleshed out Arthur because we get the flashbacks from his his childhood, um, and we get we get to meet his his aunt Marion, uh, who maybe is supposed to be like Lady Marion, uh, and then we see his uncle by marriage is Sir Ector, 
Uh, and we, so we're get, we're learning through this process kind of what his whole deal is because his uncle's not really with it. And I think as we were watching, it's like Arthur had said, we had left episode two with Arthur saying, oh, I'm going to go fulfill a blood debt um, or, or uh, to fulfill a dying wish. Um, same blood debt. Uh, no, <laughs> go fulfill a dying wish. And so we're watching and it's like, well, what is he doing? Because he went and the sword's supposed to go to Merlin. And slowly over the episode, we see he's he's gone back. He's going to try to enter a tournament. And for me, it wasn't until he's talking to his uncle and he says, tells this fake story about how he came to get the sword um, that it became kind of clear, like Arthur is doing some something shady right now. Um, I mean, it was, it seemed like it was going in a shady direction, but that really became clear when he tells his uncle who's very invested in the idea of honor, right? Cause they say his, his cousin, his uncle's son died in battle and all the uncle cared about was, did he die with honor? Did he die with the sword in his hand? Did he like, uh, you know, meet the threat of death bravely or whatever. So Arthur then tells the story about how he like saved a wealthy maiden from, um, you know, some rogues, some ruffians at a bar. Um, and so it becomes clear, like, okay, Arthur's doing something else uh, with this situation. So I don't know if it was the most interesting either. I agree with Omar. It wasn't like that captivating for me, but I do think it was important kind of exposition work for Arthur's character. So what was your guys, uh, did you have like favorite moments in this episode? I would say one thing we haven't talked about, the scene with Igraine and Celia. So I I wouldn't say that that's my favorite moment. It is a very interesting one, in particular given Nimue's response, which I think works on a particular kind of level. Um, So the scene we're talking about is um, Nimue as Sister Alice is walking around the Abbey and stumbles upon Sister Egrain talking to Sister Celia, um, and then they share a kiss. Um, <laughs> while we were watching in the Netflix body, I was like, I knew it, I knew it. Yeah, very excited. Um, not that I saw it coming because there's literally no hints, no clues, no anything, which Omar <laughs> reminded me of. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I, two seconds into the car- introduction of the character, I knew it. I'm like, how? How'd you know, Carlos? When you speaking of which, Carlos right now is wearing a shirt that says Gunkle and he's sipping from a cup that says Queer Icon. So he was thrilled with this scene. Intentional wardrobe choices for the audio medium where you can see none of it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're on theme. I love it. I've yeah. got to be on theme. If I'm if I'm one thing, I am prepared. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the reason I sort of saw this coming is that we don't know a lot about um, Sister Eden. We don't know a lot, but there seems to be, if she's taking in strays, that sort of connotes this sort of otherness. It's like, is she bringing in a lot of stay into the Abbey? Could be, because she brought in Nimue. Is she bringing in other sort of undesirables? which in this show we haven't seen the LGBT person, the queer person as an undesirable yet. But given our sort of current historical moment, we can see that with that level of religious fervor, that that could be a very real possibility. 
Well, and we see from the fact that they're high, that it's that it's a hidden romance, and then Nimue's like, "I'm not going to turn you. I'm not going to say anything." Not because I'm afraid. Yeah, it's a pow- it was a powerful line because she's like, "Not because um, I'm scared of you, but because you're not doing anything wrong." I remember it was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, which was brilliant. Though I do get nervous because a lot of um, mainstream media has a um, thing. If you Google it, it's like killing your gaze, um, where they'll introduce a queer character just to kill them off. Like it happens a lot in queer um, cinema. Like it'll be a quote unquote gay movie. And then you watch it and it's like somebody dies, somebody's hate crime, something terrible happens to a character that you grew to love because gays don't get happy endings. So I am very nervous that if Nimue caught them, they could be caught by anyone. Um, So I'm sort of reticent about what happens. Um, This is episode three. There's 10 episodes in this season. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with this relationship. Um, But it is exciting to see. This is the first bit of queer representation we see in the episode. Um, It is an interracial um, kiss, which also is something that Hollywood's gotten better with over the years, um, but isn't something that was always normalized in media, certainly not in YA media, um, because even though this is a very adult show, it seems like it is very geared towards sort of that teenager harry potter twilight sort of generation um we're not teenagers (laughs) anymore (laughs) what up millennials so there's that which was really exciting um but it's not going to be my favorite moment of this episode just because it is so minute it has the hopes of something bigger i do hope it gets to be something bigger um but that's a wait and see moment because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I really hope, I really, really, really hope that they don't die. <laughs> I don't know. This episode was sort of, it was important, but I wouldn't say that there were particular moments that I was excited about. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of just like, all right, let's get through. I was furious at <laughs> quite a few moments. Yes. But um yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode didn't spark as much joy <laughs> as as previous ones. Okay, Marie Kondo. <laughs> we also found out, just since we've mentioned it, we did find out in this episode, and I had watched a little bit ahead of you guys, but we do find out that Igraine is Arthur's sister, which oh, yeah. I know Omar was like, she better not be his sister. And I was like, oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, you have like one black character and every other black character is going to be related to them. Because it's like it's not even like diversity for diversity's sake; it's diversity for continuity's sake. But right. um, you know, I mean, here's the thing: I actually really like Ingrain, so I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that we get more characters of color that are not Arthur's relatives, which so far have been the case. You know, I mean, yes, there have been red paladins of color. Um, and the abbess is not related to him. Well, it's true. You know what? All right, all right. So I'll 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 give props where props are due. I actually I remember seeing him like, are they going to make this her mother? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I actually really liked that abbess too. I was really upset at the end of that episode. Yeah, that that sucked. So, 
But yeah. And this episode is one, it's necessary for the development of certain parts of the story and for certain characters. But in terms of sort of good moments, this is very much low points in our characters' um, lives. Like when Ninwe walked out and was in a horde, I use that word intentionally, a horde of red paladins after narrowly escaping the abbey. Like, that was terrifying. Like, she was caught in the woods with one. Her village was burned down with maybe 20 um, guys in episode one or two. This one, a horde. Super scary moment. If I have to have a favorite terrible moment, Sister Iris saying, but where's the new girl? What hey, did we say about the fucking... <laughs> that is probably my least favorite moment. Omar, do you have a least favorite moment? Yeah, that that Iris. Iris, just Iris as a person, or a character, sorry, um, was my least favorite everything about. Like, I can't stand her. And I remember, like, like, like in grain keeps telling you, like, all right, move along, child. And it's just like, yeah, move along, child. What the hell are you doing? And like, so the way she said it, she's like, what about Alice? Like, it was kind of like that, that whole, like, you know what you're doing. She knows what she's doing. She's knows what yeah. she's doing. She is, no, nah, no, nah, I can't stand so her. Like last night, she was really dirty. Like, she'd been living in the woods for a week. You mean uh, <laughs> the girl that they're probably looking for who's now got a, like warrant on her head. No, she was, I couldn't, she, she's like the opposite of Pim for me. <laughs> like whenever Pim comes on screen, I was like, joy. Whenever Iris comes on screen, I'm like, come on. Again, <laughs> her character is fascinating though. I will say that it's a fascinating character because this is like this little girl who's just chock full of evil Love and evil. just hatred and and. Like if, if I didn't hate her, I'd think she was like an like a, an awesome badass. But I actually can't stand her like at all. So, um, but the actress is good. I, I'll give her like mad props because she made me instantly hate her, which I think yeah, she I'm plays the shit actor. out of that role. Yeah. So sweet. So, what about you, Carmela? As we wrap up this episode, what was your least favorite moment or favorite if you happen to have one? So I actually have a mini favorite moment. Um, and that was when they share their, Nimue shares her real name with Igrain, Igrain. And she says, cause she was going by Alice. And she says, she realizes that, you know, they're, they're allies and that Igrain, you know, has some connection to the Fae. Cause remember she knew some Fae remedies. Um, so she says her name's Nimue, um, what's hers. And it's Morgana. Uh, and that was kind of that was kind of cool because we know Morgana's in the you know in the legend, uh, so I'm interested. That really hooked me and sparked me to see what what was going to go on with her character, and it also let me know that she's going to develop as a character. Like she's going to be part of the story. She's not just it wasn't like a one off episode or mm-hmm. their sister at the Abbey. Like okay, she's part of it too. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do with her. Um, so that was my favorite moment of the episode. My least favorite <laughs> since this episode was least favorite. Yeah, Iris is definitely like, uh, she's infuriating. Um, I also did not enjoy, I did not enjoy Arthur kind of like being grimy. 
Uh, it's just, it's a little cringy to watch. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> um, and he does get called out for it. Um, but I didn't really enjoy that. It was kind of, I mean, it's important for the story development, but it's, it's like, man, yeah. disappointed in you. <laughs> I am not enjoying this Arthur at all. Like, I'm just like, no, you're so whack. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, I get why. Like, if you've watched BBC's Merlin, it's a similar sort of, he's not as bad in the very limited episodes I've watched. I've watched like three. He's not as terrible, but he is like not a good guy the way most Arthurian legends portray him. Um, I'm not but- sure he's terrible so far in this one. I mean, we had, he kept coming back for Nimway a couple times in the first two episodes. And then this one, he's being shitty. But I don't get the sense so far that he's like an evil character. Oh, yeah, no, Just no, kind of no. crappy. No, yeah. he's just like crappy, yeah. <laughs> You're like, get it together. To be honest, I'm not thrilled with any of the main characters. You know, although, you know, I guess Merlin, Merlin counts as a main character. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely team Merlin. Um, you, The way you guys have been pronouncing his name is, make, is like messing me up. Good. Merlin. That's Carlos watching this BBC, right? <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I've been saying Merlin, but I haven't been talking about Merlin that much, and we didn't talk about him this episode. You said Merlin early in the episode, <laughs> I like giggled about it. <laughs> um, anyway, so the highest say words. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, episode three. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, we are <laughs> really enjoying the show so far. Um, hope you're enjoying our uh, hot or cold takes. Um, look forward to seeing you next time for episode four of Cursed. Bye.